Welcome to the Apple of Truth, our weekly podcast where we cover every single episode of Lucifer while celebrating the great parts, pointing out the bad parts, and answering questions you never even knew you had. I'm Lena. And I'm Vero. And we can't wait to share our love and hate for your favorite characters. Today we are talking about Season 5, Episode 11, Resting Devil Face. Which in German is called powerless. Okay. Because dad gives up his powers. And it's called powerless because I'm going to summarize this episode. Because dad decides to try out being human, aka being powerless. Trixie is angry with Lucifer but can't do anything about it. Chloe is the best mom as usual. Dan continues his struggles and Maze learns that after all a demon can grow a soul. At least that's what they insinuate. And she seems to believe it because she is very very happy. She uh, indeed does. However this is going to be how we end this episode. Let's not start it also. Let's talk about the obsession of the week. So originally I was gonna go with one word and then I decided to extend on that word. Before you say it let me see if I'm gonna maybe add the right word because I also had one word. Okay I added a word. Okay I'm not sure that you're gonna get the same one but I think that the spirit of it is gonna be the same. Originally I had dad and then I decided to go getting rid of dad. Oh I had missing dad because you said two words. But dad... I'm gonna count this as... A win, which puts us at 6 out of 11. Look at us go, we're doing better than Lucifer, which is not very difficult. No, and speaking of keeping up, I had a hard time keeping up with our usual facts and funs. Because our facts and funs begin with the first time director and only time director for Lucifer, Bola Ogun. But we have four writers for this episode. We have Ayana White, who did the teleplay. She wrote two previous episodes and she has one more episode to come. Three people co-wrote the story. First one, Mira Z. Barnum, who was a writer's PA and script coordinator on several Lucifer episodes. The second one, Joshua Duckworth, who was a writer's assistant on several Lucifer episodes. And the third one, Rick Lopez Jr., who was an assistant to executive producers on most episodes of Lucifer and also wrote a story for Once Upon a Time, the Alternate Universe episode. Oh, for a second I thought that you were talking about the show and I'm like, what? No. No. So that is a very, very curious. This is, I think, the first and only time we have three writers for the story and an additional teleplay. Honestly, it actually explains quite a lot about this episode. I'm curious what part of it it's going to explain. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the title is set by Lucifer, which puts us at 5 of 11. So he's keeping up. The script order of this episode was 510, but it aired as 511, so there was a switcheroo between this episode and the previous one. I do not know why. I think it makes just more sense this way, to be honest. I mean, he literally references the song in the episode, so it could not have aired in the other order. I would assume that these would be the details that they tweaked after they reinstated the other order, but I feel like it would be for a story's sake, but we can ask about that. So this is definitely a potential question we should put on the question list. 
And of course, there has to be a mention of the random Nietzsche reference we have because Lucifer says that he prevented G.I. Jane here from pulling a Nietzsche. And this is obviously a reference to God is dead in Nietzsche's work. Ta-da! Pretty sure we have mentioned this on the podcast before. Or you have rather mentioned that a bunch of times already. Yeah, but I will try and not have a devil's in details about Nietzsche because he does not deserve that. This can be taken one in two ways. Um, never mind that. <laughs> I kept all the Bible references in the respective scenes, so I will be complaining whenever they pop up because I am not a fan of those. And this concludes the facts and funs for this week. Well, the time is now, the situation is nigh, and there's nothing else to do but to go into the previously on Lucifer. This one was a bit of a weird one, okay? Dan and Mum were a thing. Ella is religious. Linda is a therapist. Ames is a suck-up. Mace desperately wants a soul, but God told her she is perfect the way she is. Speaking of God, his powers are slipping and he's sticking around to spend some time with his sons, which is fucking with Lucifer's head as well as with his relationship with Chloe. Also, Trixie exists. That is a very important add-on and also one of my main complaints because there simply was no emotional connection for me on that level. Oh, there was a very, very big emotional connection to, to Trixie this time for me. So I am not going to be complaining about that. We'll see how it goes. But we start in Lux and we start with a song. So I'm going to hand this over to you. We start strong. I think this is one of the strongest starts of all the episodes that we've seen so far. We get a song called Believer by Imagine Dragons, which is an extremely epic song. And they have Lucifer and Amenadiel walking down the stairs in Lux and playing the song in a slow motion. Walking down with purpose, it says in IMDb. <laughs> yes, they are walking down. It's absolutely incredible. And then they just stop. The music stops. The slow-mo stops. They have a conversation and they're like, okay, let, let's go. And they just start again and stop again, start again. It's extremely funny. It's very well done. The camera on this is excellent. Everything is excellent. And the song choice is amazing. The fucking fist bump killed me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As you can tell, I love this song. So yes, if you want to know details about the song. Many details. You need to either go to our bonus episode or to my notes and click on all the 50,000 links that I have in my notes, which is where I got the information and indulge. My first comment on this is this better be the devils in the music so I'm very happy that you <laughs> did what I was asking without me needing to tell you and so I was super happy and Manity is like I'm having your back and ooh united front yeah I'm very disappointed when it doesn't last of course it doesn't last Ugh. this is the beginning of Manity disappointing me in this episode I will not complain throughout the rest of it just know it's there yeah same and another thing that is a continuous disappointment, but I will keep pointing that out, are the Bible references, because we don't want a flood on our hands and the soda dispenser that is now giving red wine, no. Why not? I would love to have a soda dispenser like that. It's worse than puns, it's Bible references. <laughs> the counter is at two and I'm unhappy. <laughs> 
What I loved about this scene, okay, I'm going to take it upon myself to point out the fun things, okay? Yes, please. This is going to be your role this episode. I love how Amenadiel describes God the way he says, oh, you know, very tall and dashing and beautiful and, you know, looks like me. Because you literally just describe yourself as very tall and broad-shouldered and dashing and whatever. Like, if you describe somebody like that and end it, oh, yeah looks like me. Amazing. There were so many jokes that made me laugh. And then the whole conversation about the pipes. And then at the end of the scene, I was just like, he's actually being funny. I'm actually laughing at his jokes. I completely forgot that. Well, not completely, but I nearly forgot that I actually really, really hate him. Dad. (laughs) But you know, that changed very quickly. It was very infuriating journey, but, you know, with little bits and pieces that were very entertaining. Can you explain to me why Dad is in handyman mode? Why does he want to fix everything? I think he's in a dad mode. I think it feels like he wants to be useful and he's trying to figure out how to be useful. And these little, like, a hand jobs... <laughs> around, around the bar are a way for him to be helpful. I just spent the weekend at a convention and everything was sexual. Every sentence had an innuendo, even worse than usual. So, yes, these little hand jobs. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. Please continue. I see your point. I accept it. But this is pretty much everything I have to say about this scene. So we can move on to the next bit where we have a close-up on Chloe's face. And I don't know about you, but I was pretty sure, I was like very sure at the start that she is not talking to a criminal because of the tone she has. It was obvious it's Trixie. Yeah, and it felt a little bit like a callback when we had the whole cake thing, you know, back in like season one. So it was really nice and slightly nostalgic while also... Eh, been there done that. But I love that she actually locks Trixie on the back seat. So since we have so many callbacks to previous episodes, you think that is explained by the fact that we have so many writers for the story who used to work with Lucifer the show, so they know all of these things? Mm. Maybe a little bit. To me, what became more clear to me and better understanding to me, knowing that this is written by so many people, is that there is a bunch of things that are extremely infuriating and inconsistent to me. It's not like a specific thing that I could point out, but just the feeling of the episode. Disconnected. Yeah, it felt like it went against itself at times, but not in any major ways. It's not like there was any issues with the storytelling or anything like that. But character-wise, it would explain this in a way that somebody was trying to take a character into a certain direction and then somebody else came in and said, ooh, what if we nudge them over there? And it just kind of created this slight little disharmony in certain situations. Gotcha. Also, not gonna lie, I'm with Trixie. Oh, 100%. Taking down a bully is absolutely the right thing to do and she should not have been suspended and Chloe should not be chastising her. The problem with this is everything... 100% agree. However, she did steal official police equipment from her mom and used it on the bully. Yeah, because use the right tools for the job. You know, it's, uh, what's the saying in English? Uh, The road to hell? It's paved with good intentions. Yeah. I know where I'm headed. (laughs) You have zero good intentions, are you saying? So road to heaven is paved with no good intentions. (laughs) You're going to heaven. I love you too, woman. I love you too. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Speaking of love, I love Linda and I'm very, very thankful that this is where we drop her off. Yes, 100%. We do get a very randomly thrown in song between these two scenes. Really? (laughs) There is a lot of very short clips. There is a whole bunch of songs in this episode and they're very short clips, usually going from one scene to another. I'm not 100% sure that I got all of them. And it was just a bit of a wild ride for me regarding the music. Because every single time I wrote another one down, I was like, this surely must be it. This is like eight songs now. It surely must be it. No, it was not. But in this moment, we get a song by Clear Blue Fire called Let's Go. And to me, that name directly is connected to Trixie's face when she realizes, oh, I'm actually with Linda. This is going to be fun. And she makes the face. Her smile is so mischievous. It's amazing. It makes me so happy. I feel like Scarlett is really coming to her own as an actress and is getting more and more deliberate with her facial expressions as she's growing up. And in this episode, she's really just throwing it in there. And I am loving it. I love the fact that Linda is like, oh, she's potty trained and everything's like, Yep, once you spend enough time with a toddler, even these little things make a world of difference. Also, it's nice to see that Linda is helping out outside of being just the mom of Charlie. And it's nice to have Trixie back. But now we have to go to the precinct. And we have yet another callback to a previous episode. Because Lucifer says, Parents can't live with them, don't have the means to banish them to another universe anymore. Which is obviously a callback to the knife and mom. Absolutely. You know, I was kind of with Lucifer at the beginning. And in the first scene, it's just like, yeah, I understand why he's frustrated. And yes, he is in his head. And yes, he is overreacting. He's being Luciferish. But all of these things would be very much understandable to me but in this scene when he completely bulldozes over what Chloe is going through and just doesn't listen to her whatsoever it just made me really mad because you know what we've seen all of this before I don't need to see it again he is supposed to have grown beyond this level of blindness so it is exhausting I see where they're trying to go with this because at the very end Chloe verbalizes it very very clearly but still it's very annoying even more annoying we get yet another bible reference because he has to go extinguish a burning bush oh there was another one wasn't there right before that just a mention of Moses FaceTime with Moses. Oh, okay, there we go, there we go. But that is not an actual reference because God and Moses didn't have FaceTime. God only spoke to Moses. Fair. FaceTime would have required Moses to see God and he didn't. So, not a reference, but a hyperbole. Very good. See, I know my differences. I see that. You are English good. (laughs) My are English no good. And... I will get my complaining out of the way and hopefully you have better things to say about the scene because that squeezing Dan's hand and then exploding him and putting him back together, which obviously affected Dan on a very, very, very deep level and gave him severe anxiety. Fuck you. Fuck you with a ginormous cactus. I'm so angry. Yeah, unfortunately, in this scene, I don't really have that much positive to sprinkle over all of this negative because I am there with you. I was very mad. I was very upset because, you know, Dan doesn't deserve this. He didn't know for once 
And another thing is, you know, it it takes two and sometimes three to get into a situation like this. Yes. And he is by far the most innocent in all of this. Exactly. So he is an incredible human being and he does not deserve to be treated this way. Even though we had the slight suspicion that God didn't mean to do this, he is still playing it off as it was intentional. So... I don't want to see that. No, thank you. Yeah. And then Lucifer basically tells his dad to fuck off. Chloe shows up and then dad is gone. And it's like, oh, maybe he listened to me. It's like, no, boy, he's never going to listen to you. I'm terribly sorry, but this is not a dynamic you will have. He's going to listen, but he's not going to actually understand. No, he's not listening to him. He's only hearing what he chooses to hear. And that is not listening. There we go. But now we come to a thing I love. I absolutely love. Hey, guess what? There's a song. There is a song. It's <laughs> by Bangers and Annabelle Lee. And it's called, wait for it, <laughs> High and Mighty. Oh my God. <laughs> I love it. It works on so many levels though. Because they get into it and we are at our crime scene and pretty much getting off from conversation with God, the high and mighty, into a crime and murder of the almighty. Which is such a great naming of the dude that his nickname is almighty. Yes. I mean, it's very on a nose, but also it's fucking perfection. So I really, really enjoyed that. But the part I enjoyed the most is Ella and Lucifer reenacting the fight and Chloe being just like, what the is going on it was so precious yes and this is again it feels like a little bit of a callback because we have seen this before with the killing blade when it shows up for the first time they also have a lot of reenactment there on the crime scene that but also it was with the dj when ella and dan had pretty much the same interaction when they kind of just like oh you know and this one and this one and this is so cool and i'm gonna rap and now you're gonna continue rapping and they just turn around to chloe and chloe's just like what and this has a very similar vibe to me and i love that and the camera is incredible oh yeah the camera work is really really good i'm actually kind of surprised that uh the woman directed I think this episode has only the one credit for Lucifer and I don't think she has much more else. Yeah, it is surprising because in general, this episode, the camera and the directing felt really, really good. Oh yeah, absolutely. We sadly have to move on from this absolutely precious interaction because guess who's there? It's dad and he's waving and going into the crime scene and very casually mentions that he is now human. And I'm like, well, this is gonna suck because human means vulnerable and that is bad. Yeah, there is a big amount of potential bullshit that can come out of this. But yeah, this is the starting point when I'm actually getting extremely frustrated with that. On the other hand, (laughs) it is the starting point with a lot of very good jokes where dad goes to oh my god i just blinked did you know that the humans they can't see anything when they when they close their eyes they can't see anything like dude of course in between this interaction we get our title card and lucifer what does something that i really appreciate he points out immediately how bad of an idea it is for god to not have his powers and the world and the world it's stupid But I had a realization in this moment about God, and it slightly ties into a few things that we've already mentioned in this episode, but it actually helped me comprehend this episode much better and find myself a little bit easier kind of 
getting around this these things. If I understand this correctly, even though God is all-knowing and all-powerful and all everywhere and all everything, it doesn't necessarily mean that he understands these things. Knowledge isn't wisdom and knowledge isn't understanding. Yeah. So it just made so much more sense to me if I looked at it as in he does not understand because he cannot empathize because he has never done it before. So if we look at it as God trying to learn to empathize and understand, it helps me a little bit not to hate him as much because at least he is trying even though he's not very good at it and I think there is a lot of like unconscious decisions that make him even worse but I can appreciate it a little bit better now. Since this is probably the first time ever that God decided to be human I don't have that much understanding on my side. I agree with you and I get where you're coming from and yes it makes it rationally more understandable but as usually the intent isn't what is relevant to me only the result is and once again, even though now he's human, he doesn't listen. So I'm just like, fuck you. So all of that said, I still have to point it out. We have another Bible reference and that is, let there be light. Four or five. That's number four for me, five for you because you count Moses and FaceTime. I don't need to count Moses and FaceTime. Number four it is. That is number four. And then sadly, Claudia decides they can't have him wander around alone. Listen, that's probably a smart idea. I know she's right, but also, oh my God, I was rooting so hard for Mace later on to just kill him off. That would be fucking hilarious. And now (laughs) we sadly have to go to the precinct with dad in the back. Yeah, we're watching the security video with the almighty trying to apparently break into some drug lab, whatever. That is some wild fight there. Yeah, I kind of had very mild interest in the case, but not really. So uh, if you have anything to add to that. No, but beside the amazing name for him, nothing. But what we have here and what I paid attention to is God drinking a slushy in the background which you know I do have to point out he is trying to understand He's like a child. To me, at this moment, I described him as half annoying and half hilarious, where some of his jokes are just really good, but he is extremely annoying. And he is somewhere on the spectrum of a very old man while also being a five-year-old child. Yeah, and I will touch on that later, probably in more detail. But this is another take on dementia, because basically dementia turns you very childlike in parts. I'm not happy with this take at all, because this is what we already played into last episode. Not here for it. I don't think it's handled very well. I would have enjoyed the brain freeze. Ooh, what is this? If it happened once, not three fucking times. I, yeah, I think that it happened multiple times to drive a point home, but I don't think that point needed to be driven so hard. Exactly. But then we get the little boys' room and. There are jokes and there are solid jokes. It feels more like a stand-up comedy than an episode of Lucifer, but you know. You know what I really enjoyed, though, in this moment? The fact that Ella is meeting God. Also, she calls him big guy. Yeah, she calls him big guy, but she does not actively catch on. Wait, you're Lucifer's dad. Lucifer is Lucifer as a method actor. And apparently you're also in the role. Like She doesn't point it out. So I'm not sure if she has caught on that he is God because he goes, thank you for all your support. It hasn't gone unnoticed. That I loved. That I absolutely loved. And I hope that there will be more with this because Ella deserves this. Ella definitely deserves this. But 
speaking of things that people do and do not deserve, <laughs> we go to watch somebody who definitely does not deserve be treating like that. And we follow Dan to Lux. There is no song because he's sitting there in silence. But... <sighs> You know, this is another scene where I just feel really bad for Dan and I don't think he deserves this whatsoever. While also the interaction between him and Mace is absolutely incredible. But that's the thing. I repeatedly over the course of the show and more and more the more I like Dan have complained about this. Dan is usually played for the comic relief, for the laughter, for he 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 how funny is something awkward or painful or horrible that happens to him. And I'm not here for it anymore. I have come to like him too much. When I didn't care for him as much, I didn't mind him being played for laughs. This is fucking hilarious when he is sitting there completely out of his mind and then he gets scared the bejesus out of him when May suddenly is in front of him. It's fucking funny, rationally. But I don't want him to go through that. I want him to be happy. But the interaction, just like you said, is so good. I completely had forgotten that. Obviously now Dan knows that Mace is an actual demon, but they hadn't met since then. And it's so well done. Like now your psychotic behavior at least makes sense. Like, yeah, awesome. It really, really does. I love how they end it with kind of Mace talking herself into a situation where she realizes that she doesn't have a soul again and she slaps him. Things done. Also, everybody's so unhappy and it's all dad's fault. Obviously. Everything bad happened since he showed up, except for Michael. Because Michael is currently, luckily, not around. Hopefully. We don't know. Who's to say? Dad doesn't know. He's responsible for Dan being so unhappy and Mace being so unhappy. So, screw you, Dad! Again! Yeah, go away! We don't want you here! Go home! Go home and stay there. That goes way too close to go where you came from. And I hate that. No, this is actually very, this is very close to something that's actually being said in the next scene. Because now we go into the hospital and dad is still with them. And I have only have two things to say about this scene. Number one, obviously Lucifer has some YSD. I absolutely adore his little pill box thingy where he has like, I don't know how many different types of drugs because he needs a variety. He has them color coded. It's so good. And I'm actually so surprised that we haven't seen it on him before because this is something that absolutely fucking fits with him as a character. That absolutely made me super, super happy. And then at the end of the scene, he goes with the Spanish and it's like the Viacon you and Viacon Dios is go with God. And so it's like, yes, go with God. Just fucking go away. (laughs) Well, we get a song getting into this scene called Fell So Far by Future Royalty, which again, very good placing. I feel like they're just using like four bars of each song just for the name of it. Which is also very reminiscent of season one and two. Yeah. And I feel that is projecting on the case at this moment. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit. It's in the family. It runs, definitely runs in the family. It kind of runs in the whole show. Just everybody's projecting left and right this time. Oh, well, Chloe has just taken this habit from Lucifer because later on she will be projecting on the colonel. Mm -hmm. But, you know, at least Chloe kind of turns it into something productive. Unlike Lucifer, 
Meh, Lucifer sometimes does, but Dad does not at this moment at all. But when they mention that they're going to set up a sting and Dad wants to in on it, it's immediately clear that he's going to fuck it up. It's just, why? 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 No. Why? Yes. And that's the thing. Just no. His behavior, if they hadn't played it so overboard, would have been actually adorable because then it would have been childlike but the way it is done is obnoxious it's very much obnoxious it's a great word for it and that's what takes me so out of it that brings us to the actual sting where we get (laughs) another song called dangerous man by valley of wolves which is hilarious because i mean maybe i'm just brainwashed by the patriarchy but my assumption was that of course the colonel is gonna be male and then the colonel who lives in a plain field which is perfect is a woman and I absolutely love this and then the song being dangerous men and then haha it's a woman perfect 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 also the colonel is fucking kick-ass she is incredible I kind of like Loki love her I'm into her I would definitely say yes please (laughs) okay well with that out of the way we see Dan having a conversation with Chloe in the surveillance van before we get actually (laughs) into the plane and you know what I kind of am good with watching kind of a, a residual freakout of Dan because yeah that makes sense it makes sense for his character because he is definitely one of those people who when it comes to it and the action is on and he needs to be okay with it he's gonna be okay with it because you know it was for Chloe it was for Trixie it was you know he had to accept it in the moment he can turn it on and function for the time being but as soon as the situation is over yeah when he calms down and starts actually thinking about what happened and what is happening around him, it completely makes sense for his character to be all over the place, especially with the extra strain added by dad. He makes everything worse. You've heard it here. God makes everything worse. (laughs) Yeah, we are definitely the first one who said that. Obviously. So, sadly, we are not surprised that Speak of the Devil or Dad, Dad is actually there. Oh, to me, this moment was just like, did you make yourself a completely stupid human or what? What, what is the why? Because he was also a completely stupid god. True. Also, that explains why there's so many stupid humans, because are we not <laughs> made in his image? Yeah, true. <laughs> Sorry. We have a sentence that could be considered a Bible reference, but also is a show callback because Lucifer says, he just gave me hell. I wouldn't call that a Bible reference. I would not count that. Because it's both part lore of the show as well as a Bible reference. Yes. Here's number five. Are we counting that? Good. Fine, we're counting that if you really want to. Number five. I mean, it's not like uh, referring to something that actually pretty much word by word happens in the Bible, or is it? The being banished down to hell to run hell is something that gave him hell you yeah know. so it's a pun a bible reference a callback in the show yeah I'm just generally against it it makes me very happy why am I not surprised so let me make you very unhappy because we cut back into the outside van oh and now Dan is not just freaking out in general but he's freaking out about Trixie 
and in specific Trixie's soul. And this made me very upset because I totally get where he's coming from. It is absolutely adorable that he cares this much. Yeah, it's his daughter. Obviously, he uh, he cares this much, but it felt a little bit too far-fetched for me and I was like, come on, she's a child. But this goes hand in hand with when he shot Lucifer because basically Michael told him, if you do that, everyone you love is going to heaven and Trixie is his main focus. We have put a pin in that debate, so let's not reopen that. And as usual, our pins pop out. Let's not dive too deep into that one today because didn't we promise that we were going to do that in the summoning episode? It's going to happen at some point. Ooh, we should do a special just on that because there is a lot to be said. So I was very much with him. I adore that he is this caring, but I also feel very, very bad for him. I understand where he's coming from and it is absolutely understandable since I realized that he does not know how hell works because if he knew... Because no one told him. Yeah, obviously, obviously. But if he knew that this is based on guilt and not on whatever he thinks it is, he wouldn't have thought that. Chloe knows. Does Chloe know? Maze knows how hell works. Lucifer knows how hell works. Amenadiel knows how hell works. And they all should have the awareness that, well, being terrified about going down to hell might be alleviated by sharing information about hell. Do you know what I was terrified about right now, though? Because they have this conversation and they take off their headphones. Oh, that something would happen and they need them? Literally, your one job in that van is to listen in. And you know God is there. You know Father, Lucifer's father's there to fuck it up. And you take off your headphones? Because Chloe trusts Lucifer. I mean, yeah, but also, come on! Oh, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm just trying to play uh, devil's advocate or Chloe's advocate here. Or also devil's advocate. Everybody's advocates. I can do that. (laughs) But, you know, who's not everybody's advocate? Linda, because she's everybody's therapist. Yeah, and you know who's fucking savage? Trixie. When she says, no wonder Lucifer's still in therapy, it's like, damn! That journey on her face before she says that, if you put her and Mace next to each other, it's identical. It's literally like looking at Mace. She learned from the best and her words cut like steel. But of course, Linda would not be Linda if she didn't take the situation and turn it around perfect. She did such a good job. And it just reminds us, Trixie is smart. Also, Linda is friends with Mace, so she is used to this type of behavior and knows exactly how to manage it. Exactly. Trixie has another great line with, Denial makes my stomach hurt. If I did have denial also, she says, if I did have a denial, how would I cure it? This whole moment where she refers to denial as a thing or a condition. Yeah, perfect. So I really, really enjoyed this interaction. Trixie is very insightful and Linda is very, very good at what she does. Yeah, I think that referring to it as a condition or as an actual thing rather than just some weird thing, it makes it easier to deal with because, you know, you can address it. It's the pit in my stomach. It's the pain that I have. I need to cure the pain. How do I do that? It's just so nice and it makes it so more, so much more understandable for, especially for Trixie as a kid. I mean, we later on get an age drop, so reconfirmation, she's 11. Anyway, we find out that Trixie is probably going to hurt someone's feelings and I get very excited. I did not expect it to be who it turns out to be. My guess at this moment was Chloe. Same. Especially with 
with the song that Trixie had in the previous episode where she is watching Chloe being sad. But yeah, surprise, surprise. That was my full on expectation that she was going to confront her mom. But no, she doesn't. But now we have to go back to the sting. We get a righteous colonel. We get a righteous colonel. Yes, true. She is all over the whole, oh yeah, you know, it's good that your dad is so supporting because my mother. Let me tell you about my mother. Everybody self-identifies in this show way too much, so I'm not surprised. It's a projection circus. As long as it's not a projection circle. Um, <laughs> Sorry. And then we have something that I enjoyed very much because it's not a Bible reference. It's a history reference. That's what you said about the bloody dinosaurs. That made me very, very entertained. It was very good. Well, it was very bad. You know, again, we have the whole situation where Lucifer is trying to save the thing and that completely fucking blows the cover. It's ridiculous. It's bad. It's it doesn't make sense to me why he is so not smart because this is a basic this is like the one rule of a sting operation don't mention that you work for the police it's the one rule that you need to follow just in general it should not be too much to ask but again this to me plays into the we are playing him as someone with dementia Mm -hmm. and I don't like it yeah it's not handled with the required care to actually be that and so all the jokes that go in that direction fall extremely flat to me so the whole situation escalates and he gets punched Mm -hmm. and just before he gets punched he actually is it before or after he gets punched when he starts talking about as I'm staring into the barrel of the gun I think I feel something yeah it's right before it's this moment where he tries to describe a feeling that he has never felt before and I was wondering probably he's talking about fear would be my guess and Lucifer sees this on his father and becomes very defensive because he is the strong one he is the in in, he is Invulnerable? He is the invulnerable one. That's good enough. In the situation. So he's the one who needs to take care of him. And even though he has issues with him, he's still his father. Which this is what this situation gives me is that Lucifer, as much as he claims that he doesn't care about his father, that he hates him and he doesn't want to have anything to do with him, he still cares. He still loves him because he is his father. As long as you hate someone, they have power over you and there is caring there. The worst thing is when you actually don't care about someone. But you cannot not care and hate someone at the same time. That doesn't work. Love and hate aren't opposing sides on a medallion. They are neighbors. They are very, very close to each other. So that is not surprising. And also it's the very classic we see our parents as invincible. And once we learn that they are human too, this is a very important part of growing up to be able to empathize with our parents as fellow human beings and not as mom or dad. I mean, there's a there's a thing when we call our parents not even by their names. You know? They're mom and dad. They're not not Peter or David or whatever. It's so weird, though, yeah. It takes away a certain part of the individuality, of their humanity in a certain regard. And so now Lucifer finally literally sees his father as human for the very first time because he is a human for the very first time. And so he is scared. He is not invincible. He is not all-powerful. And now with his father being threatened and hurt, 
Lucifer goes completely wild. Because just because we might have problems with our parents does not mean anyone else gets to treat them bad. Quite the opposite. Devil face, devil face, does for devil the devil face. Yeah. So this part, all the way up here, I really liked because it was very understandable, like I just described. So Lucifer goes wild and his devil face comes out and we see dad's face. And this is the first time he sees, experiences the devil face, especially now that he's human. He, in theory, must have been aware of it because before that he was all-knowing, so he must have rationally known. I think he's seen it from afar, as in, as he watches over his children, he has watched over Lucifer, so he has technically seen it, but not in person, not up close. And not as human. And so obviously now he has a human visceral reaction to it as well. He calls him Samael again, which I hate. And I don't have to repeat why. Gone into detail on that. And then he asks him, why did you choose that face? Doesn't he ask him that in the next scene? Oh, okay. So that might be. But so he goes with the Samuel again. And then Dan and Chloe show up. Yes. So they manage the bad guys and Lucifer is very specific and yes, he is very right. It is time for dad to get his powers back. It hasn't even been a full day if I understand this correctly and he's already put himself and possibly the whole humanity and the whole earth in danger by doing so. So yes, let's get his powers back. But sadly, dad cannot remember where he put them and this just is another notch in the let's play this as dementia. It came to me more as a senility, but I don't have a proper grasp on these terms and the differences between each of these terms to describe it. But to me, I have called it that he is being senile. But then again, I don't want to get into details because I'm not 100% sure what are the definitions of each. Senility, which is now more commonly referred to as dementia. Oh, there you go. It is the same. See, I wasn't sure. Yeah, just calling someone senile, I think, is more derogatory than saying someone has dementia. It's not considered nice words. <laughs> okay, it's one of those words that, you know, I don't get into contact often enough to be clear on the nuances. So I'm glad that we have cleared it up. Thank you for your help. <laughs> no worries. And so it's time to go back home and figure out where the fucking powers are. But before we can do that, there's something else that we have to talk about. Besides dad. And dad is the devil face. Oh, yeah. So we get into penthouse and and see, I think that part of why dad brings it up is because he has the shot. He has a little bit of a whiskey. He downs the the whiskey glass. And the way he phrases the whole thing. Why did you choose it? Why did you choose this face? And he's not wrong, actually, because with the self-actualization and whatnot, it must be how Lucifer sees himself when he does things like this. He sees himself as a monster. He has given himself the devil face multiple times, even though he was rid of it at some stage. So it's just something that we don't ward often enough. So I'm glad that it was brought up this way. Yeah. But gee, why ever would he choose a face like this? We get the title drop here by Lucifer when he calls it his resting devil face, which I love it. Thank you. Very, very, very good. But it's like, gee, however could it have come to pass that Lucifer would consider himself so hideous and so monstrous and hate himself so much? Maybe it's because his father is literally the biggest jerk in the entire world 
verse of existence. Oh, yeah. And a horrible father and just in general lacking anything even remotely called empathy and love and care. I was very, very angry with this so supposedly innocent question like, why did you choose this face? Because you suck. That should have been the answer. Yeah, exactly. It is your fault. Your fault. 100% your fault. But unfortunately, we don't really get a chance to get very deep in that philosophical debate and questions and fight, possible fight, because the elevator dings and Trixie shows up. And to my surprise, <laughs> she came to yell at Lucifer. She came to kick Lucifer in the in a shin. Yes. And unfortunately, she doesn't really yell at him. It's very short-lived and I was slightly disappointed. And I didn't understand why she was angry at him at all. I was like, why? Yeah, she didn't really explain it. I mean, it became a little bit more obvious later on. But at this moment, we don't know why she was mad. Why would Lucifer even remotely understand it? Especially Lucifer, who's very bad at these things. Exactly. So yeah, I was slightly disappointed with the situation. I was very excited about it when I had the prospect in my mind. Absolutely same. And this already takes us to the priest saying, I only have one little thing to say about this shortish scene. And that is... I really like the colonel. <laughs> yeah. So as God falls asleep on the piano, we get a song called Can't Stop Me by Company Ghost. And Chloe, as much as I love Colonel, she is doing an incredible job being like all about like, ah, look at me. I'm a working woman. You can't do anything to me. I made sure of that. But Chloe is just so damn good at her job. She finds the one, one weak point of this woman and she exposes it. Mommy issues. I mean, she probably did hear the comment that she made in The Hunger. Also, if we did Obsession of the Week for everyone, like for the entire episode, this would have been parental issues. Probably, yeah. So, yeah, as much as she is kind of embracing the projection and taking it in with a stride and using it for the case, she is also helping herself simultaneously. So Chloe is incredible. Yay for Chloe. Million times yay for Chloe. And I'm just going to move us directly to the next scene because we do have yet another song because we are going to Lux. And it is by Skyline Brigade and it's called So Long for This. And we have Mace there. Mace is very obviously still not over the perfect SUR line and neither am I, so I'm very much with her. And all of this, what happens here and then in the next scene when they go up to the penthouse, the main thought in my brain was it would be fucking amazing if Mace killed God while he's human. I would be so here for it. It would be fucking hilarious. Because where do you think God would go. Does God have a soul now that he's human? Would he go to hell? Would he go to heaven? Would he simply cease to exist? If yes, what happens to his powers? So there would have been so many interesting questions that could have been dealt with. So in my brain, it was a decent probability that it was not going to happen, but it was not sure. So I was like, yes, kill him, kill him, kill him, kill him. (laughs) Because I really don't like him and I would have loved for Mace to get some revenge. On one hand, yes. But on the other hand, I think the way the story was going at this moment, it just wouldn't have made sense for them to do that. But yeah, I think it would just throw a very interesting wrench into the situation. So yeah, why not? Let me have my illusions. We can one day write an audio play that is... No, 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 no. Someone more talented than us should write a fan fiction about a multiverse where Mace actually kills of God and then we can narrate it. Yes, yes, exactly. I was gonna say. Somebody out there 
please write the fanfic and we will read it out on the pod. Yes. We will play it out. But speaking of let me have my fantasies, how is Emmanuel still this oblivious to reality? I don't get it. Him being like blindly accepting that Mace is wanting to apologize to God. That's so not Mace thing to do. I don't understand. Exactly. How can he be this blind? It made no sense. So, and this is actually something that you said earlier. The way some characters behave and evolve and develop in this episode is all over the place. And a Menadiel does not feel like a Menadiel in several moments. Yeah. It's just these little moments of self-contradictory behavior. Yeah. But it's not like massive enough for me to ruin the experience, but it's just... But it takes you out a tiny bit. Yeah. And this is definitely one of them. But Amenadiel just kind of goes on about the, oh, yeah, it's so big of you, Mace, that you would do this. <sighs> Horrible. Just why? Yeah. But we have no dead anywhere. Mace tries to stab the cushion or the pillow on the bed so that there's no one below it. So she doesn't actually hurt anything because she's way too good. Would she? Yeah, I'm pretty sure she would have. But then she's like, oh, we should split up, cover more ground. It's like, yes, girl, yes. Hunt him. Him down. <laughs> My little DD mind was like, yay, split the party, cover more ground. <laughs> mm-hmm. The poor, the poor GM. Don't do that to you, Jim. <laughs> um, let's not talk about pen and paper. We go into the gym called Christoph. And when you go into the gym, you can right away pause the episode and see all the posters. And if you want to know everything about these wonderful callbacks, because every little poster is a callback, you need to listen to this week's Devils in the Details. It's actually very, very interesting. And uh, it's a fun guessing game that I have lost. Very, very harshly have you lost. So (laughs) if you listen to it, please take your guesses, see if you're right, and then let us know how well you did. I really, really enjoyed this interaction the scene beginning with lucifer not snitching on trixie that was really really good i appreciate that lie by omission yeah yeah got it got it yes and the interaction with christoph himself and his fucking boats thing because they are controllable and everything and it's like oh okay so the doctor was not being honest with them and then oh it makes for steady hands like ooh that has to be something and then the scene ends with this horrible awkward interaction between Chloe and Lucifer with the kiss no kiss hug whatever and it's so awkward and I hate it and I love it and it's perfect so this Mm. scene Kind of got me back into it because not going to lie, this episode lost me several times throughout. It did not keep me engaged. It felt too disjointed. Yeah. This moment is the one Decker Star moment that we get, right? Yeah, because Lucifer broke up with her because he cannot love her. Zuh. Which is why I don't understand Zuh. why he would kiss her. Did he forget? I think that it's like very much of a habit at this stage. Aww. Kind of a like, I just, you know, I am allowed to kiss you now, so I'm going to do that. And then just like, oh shit. Yeah, it's like saying goodbye, love you. I actually don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty much something like that, I would imagine. Yeah, I absolutely love it. Absolutely here for it. But also sometimes you have episodes when they're steaming hot you know like every single time they're in the same room you can feel the sexual tension between them and this episode that's the only time when we get any sort of a that type of a thing between them at all we go into the subway station and i'm very disappointed again because why are we at a subway station and not least at a bus station it could be just a train station no because 
What if God was one of us? Just a stranger on a bus. And we had the song in the show and that would have been such a great inside reference. Trying to make his way home? Yes! It would have been so fucking funny if he had sat at a bus station. I'm so disappointed. Like, seriously. That is a bit of a missed opportunity, I agree. Right? Okay, we are on the platform and we have Mace walking behind God. And she takes out the blades and we can hear the swishing of the blades as she's playing around with them. Gotta love this so much! He clearly is aware of that sound. For some reason, he is very childlike, but he can definitely recognize that there is somebody swishing blades behind him. Sure. And then he turns around and it's Trixie. Yeah, I was very confused why Trixie was there. I remember watching this the first time and I'm pretty sure that we talked about this on the special as well. It feels like there must be some sort of a time shift because when we see Maze walking down, the platform is empty. There's nobody there. So unless God passed Trixie without noticing her... Yes, probably. There is no way she would have been behind him unless he was already there and she just came up there while Maze would be hiding behind one of the pillars. So that's also an option. But it was just kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah, so Trixie shows up. I'm very confused. Why is she running away if she is angry with Lucifer? (sighs) All of that made no sense to me. It was a bit stretched. Right? And so, right, they're going to have a conversation. But before we have that conversation, we have to cut back into the hospital. Because now we see an operating room and then, ah, obvi, the drug studies the hands. Duh. I have one note on that part, and that is, what a poor-lighted and understuffed OR. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's so bad. Like, I have been re-watching Grey's Anatomy recently. No wonder you have no time for new good shows to watch that you haven't seen when you keep re-watching. How many seasons of does Grey's Anatomy have? 318 now. But I haven't <sighs> seen the last five. No, the thing is, I need something to wind my brain down where I don't have to think about, and it makes me feel good. So I eat that would usually be Gilmore Girls or Schitt's Creek, but I kind of figured I need a little bit of a change and I haven't seen Grey's Anatomy in a really long time. And the first, like, 10 seasons are so comforting to me. They're so, like, heartwarming and I don't have to focus on it and it's just something where I can completely shut down and it is actually helpful to my brain power. All right. I obviously agree with you. The OR is very badly done, but Chloe is really, really doing her job more than well. She is also, she has blue light on her. How is there a blue light in the scrubbing area? Like, what? It's the drama. And so Chloe talks her down and she puts the scalpel away. Yay. Case closed. Case solved. We are all done. We get some more projection from Chloe about depending and being strong and pretending to be strong for someone else and then the people around. She has a very nice line with the you can save one more life if you just put the scalpel down. That was really, really well done. So well done, Chloe. As per usual. We go back to the subway station and we get the explanation why Trixie is mad at Lucifer because he was in Florida and didn't say goodbye. It's like, really? That is why she's mad at Lucifer? I feel like it's more about her being left behind without being told what's happening, being treated as a child. She is a child. She feels that she's very much more mature than she actually is. Like, remember when you were 
11. I thought that I was like an adult when I was 11 years old. Yeah, but still, it makes no sense that she is still angry at Lucifer because he went to Florida to supposedly deal with fucking family business. Ella forgave him. Yes, but he actually spent time with Ella and apologized to her. Or maybe if he didn't apologize. Trixie must have had spent time at the penthouse, otherwise she could not have told Dan that she forgot her book there. So apparently he was spending time with her as well. I'm sorry, this made zero sense. The argumentation that she's mad at Lucifer was so out of nowhere. So we have all of this with Trixie going on and then we apparently have an acknowledgement by dad that he fucked it up with Lucifer or that he might have fucked up with Lucifer which my reaction is oh I guess hell just froze over mm. so little details about the scene when Trixie hands him the sandwich he hands her a donut and we have the mention of his favorite donut shop in the previous scene where they're trying to find him and he indeed did go into the donut shop and I'm pretty sure this is where Mace found him and started telling him also it's a callback because when Lucifer takes him to the precinct and hands him a donut he says he likes the one with the cereal on top and this is a donut with cereal on top yet another inside callback and then I had absolute blast again with Trixie's face because when God says I've never been a kid the shock on her face but she just runs with it she does she does but like for a second you have like a close-up on her face and she's like what she's very skeptical like yeah whatever what do you mean you've never been a kid everybody's been a kid and it's incredible her face is just so good and I know I've said it before but it's just so good so we have the subway station they have the conversation and Maze decides to leave and I did not really understand why this exchange resonated with Maze I think it was just kind of a last straw or last bit that turned her away from because she was following him for a while and he does call it out a little bit later on but I think Trixie is the reason why she doesn't actually go through with it at the end I took that as an excuse oh not that she didn't want to do the thing in front of Trixie but like just Trixie seems to be having fun and she seems to be able to talk to him and kind of level with him and I feel like seeing that this is how I saw it anyway seeing that for Mace would be good enough to go and say well I trust Trixie's opinions and I trust how Trixie judges people and therefore I will let this go okay this is very very unconnected to the scene for me so okay my brain works in mysterious ways so we'll just accept the fact that there simply is nothing that resonates with Mace and she just <laughs> fucked off because she now has a soul and people with souls apparently don't kill people <laughs> because that's why we don't have murderers or something we go to Linda's and Lucifer has gained some insight into that and you can take this seat because pretty sure everything I'm gonna say is gonna be bad yeah we have the whole conversation between Lucy and Ames and then I didn't really kind of care about what was happening there because I was still pissy at Eminadiel for being the way he is. And then dad shows up again and Lucifer just goes ballistic on him. He starts yelling at him and just starts selling all of these parental cliches. Like, you can't just run off like that. Do you have any idea what you've put us through? These words are literally what you kind of every single time. It's like the biggest cliche you can ever hear. I can tell you I have heard those words as a child. Maybe not literally but because your parents didn't speak English with you <laughs> 
Well, yeah, but just the kind of the concept of child or like helpless child or family member disappears and you're doing what you can to find them because this is terrifying to you and you don't want to lose them. So this is kind of the concept what they are introducing to us that Lucifer is out of his mind with worry. Yeah, because now he cares. Well, now he admitted to himself that he actually cares, technically, by beating up the crew. So... I think he's just kind of leaning into it. And then Linda shows up. With Charlie and a plaything. <laughs> plaything. It's like a little, little rattle thing, right? It looks like metal, so I'm very confused. Yeah, I don't know how children's toys work. Sprove is something he sucks on, I guess, then. Really bad for your teeth. If you suck on metal shit, it looked like a weight. It did, it did look like a weight. Or how do you call the thing that you put your paperweight? Charlie is all about the gains. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he's taken after his dad. It's a dumbbell. Dumbbell. Yeah. And nice. it's dumb and it's a bell. So, you know, of course a child would like it. So uh, that reminds Father God where he left his powers because... It kind of makes sense that he would leave it with Charlie, but also it's a little stupid because what if a baby loses it? I mean, he remembered where he left it before he came home because this is why he came home. Oh, okay. He literally says to Trixie, like, oh, you just reminded me where I left something important. True, 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 true. So yeah, he comes back and he knows why it happened. And I have one last thing about this scene, and that is the fact that Linda is absolutely the best because the way she just kind of reacts to the situation, I kind of appreciate that they keep putting humans into these situations so we get these genuine reactions that we can have. We are Linda. What the fuck is going on? Yeah, it's the human perspective. They're giving that to us and I like that. Absolutely. Since we're going into Lux next, do we have a song? We do have a song and it's a great name of the song. It's by Hail, H-A-E-L, and it's called Angels Around Us. Wow. So we have Dan and Maze once again. At Lux. And I love that Dan is basically reaching out to Mace because he needs someone to join him in his misery, basically. He goes to the bar to get some drinks, but someone else already puts a drink down in front of Mace. And it's dead. And she's very hard on herself. Like, you created me to be like an evil demon and I, I can't even do that right. And this is where we get the information that miracles happen every day. I kind of actually liked the quotes and I wrote it down. Really? Yeah. Okay, which one? He says, the funny thing about miracles is that they happen every day. Angel has a child with a human. Devil will fall in love. We can all learn. We can all grow. And Mace replies, but demon can't grow a soul and he just says can't she which fuck you for the mysterious ways but also it gives her just enough information to realize that she has now she has hope which is the most important part but i just hate the oh miracles happen every day dude and it was necessary to put her through this suffering no it was not i hate that yeah but he is his behavior is just horrible so i hate it he's just very godlike and i hate that he leaves her and of course dan runs into him and spills the drink. And then runs into him while a new song starts to play, which is by City Wolf. It's called Dead Men Walking. Oh my god. They are really going hard for the season one vibe of the titles and I love it. So good. <laughs> because technically he is dead. He has exploded. He realizes who he spilled the drinks on and for a second he's getting flushed and then he's like, 
fuck this and he's standing up to him and oh my god oh my fucking god actually no oh my jack i think now supernatural right it's not oh my chuck anymore it's oh my jack oh my jack just to not be confused with dad this is so good this is so fucking good i love dan so fucking much i love that he is pulling himself together that he is saying fuck this shit i'm standing up to you when i was fucking your wife i didn't know she was married so get fucking off my back i adore daniel and i'm so happy he found himself Yes, and it is clearly appreciated by God. I mean, it's very, very petty. I don't like how he handles it. He's so condescending in his behavior. At least he seems to be letting it go now, which is, for me, a good sign. And yes, he better stay that way. I'm not letting it go, though. So, like the things I hold against him. <laughs> oh, seriously, I'm... Ugh. But we're nearly done, so no worries, no worries. Because now we go to the penultimate scene, and I absolutely love this one. Yes! Yeah, we haven't seen this in such a long time. We haven't seen Chloe being mother, or any... Being super mom. Interaction with Trixie in a proper, proper way. And this is, again, callback to what we've used to have all the time. And while I absolutely didn't connect emotionally with when Trixie kicks Lucy into shit, or when she talks to God, because, like... <laughs> There was no reference. But this, this makes sense. This was perfect. This was relationships that we knew evolving. This was the quality that we are used to. So I absolutely love this scene. This was really, really, really well done. <sighs> I loved seeing the relationship. I really did. And there is a lot of talk about fear and a lot of talk about all of these things that they're currently carrying with each other. And it's just such a beautiful quote that Chloe says, no matter what happens, no matter if you're 11 or 111 if the earth gets hit by an asteroid made of rock candy and the sky starts raining down gumdrops me and your dad will always be your parents and will always love you no matter what telling your children that you will love them unconditionally forever is something very important go tell your kids that yeah if you have kids say that if you have siblings and you don't say that to them and you feel that way about them say that if you have anyone that you feel that way about them maybe tell them say it say it because actually it's quite nice to hear sometimes we can know that somebody loves us and we can understand from the behavior and everything but unless you say it every once in a while it can be very difficult to remember it our brains tend to be very mean to us and then people will start doubting that others actually love us so keep telling them we go into the last scene and I'm again with Lucifer. He's almighty again. He should be able to give himself the buzz if he now misses the alcohol buzz. Yeah, I mean, I think it was just a figure of speech of dad, but pff, dumb. Also, we learn that apparently his powers have been acting up or glitching, as Lucifer calls it, for longer than he likes to admit. And so my reaction to that is, is that why the world is so fucked up then? That is a very good question and I like it. I like the take and I am accepting it and it is now canon. Perfect. And my last question is, logistically, how does God retire? Like, how does that work? But of course, we don't get an answer. I guess we'll find out. <sighs> yeah, my question was, what in the fuck? What in the fuck? Okay. Like I said repeatedly in this episode, I am so over dad. It's not even fun to dislike him like it was with mom. I really enjoyed not liking mom. I do not enjoy not liking dad. I just want this to be over. His interactions with Dan are horrible and mean-spirited. His playing at being human is utterly ignorant of all the implications. And his repeated ignorance regarding Lucifer is unfitting for an all-knowing, all-powerful being. Mesa's journey, on the other hand, is extremely satisfying to me. 
her actions, her behavior, her relationship with others, she is growing a soul. I don't think she's done with growing the soul just yet, but I love that she now has the hope that she so desperately needed to be able to continue on. And that even without knowing she already had started growing a soul, she behaved like she had one when she interacted with people, when she didn't kill God in the subway, etc. We did not have enough Trixie in the past, so... Like, I've made it very clear her being angry with Lucifer was not meaningful to me. But the Chloe interaction at the very end is, once again, peak super mom Chloe. And I miss that. And Manadiel is back to going on my fucking nerves. He goes back and forth so quickly with where his support lies. He's giving me whiplash. And uh, can he just stop? Would be nice. Dan simply gets all my sympathies. He's trying so hard. He worries so much. And in the end, he tries to stand up to fucking God himself. I adore this man so much. Lucifer himself seems so very much an inactive piece on a chessboard that we cannot see this season. Because first Michael is managing his steps and then Dad is managing his steps. I am kind of missing Lucifer's own agency, his own desire, if you want. So someone should finally fucking ask him what it is he desires. Five more episodes. Let's see where we go from here. Did you just say that someone should fuck? Yeah, because I agree. Someone should fucking ask him what he desires. And maybe the answer is sex. Mm-hmm. Well, I like the concept of dad losing his powers and becoming an age-appropriate human because technically he is millennia and billionaire or whatever you would call it old he's as old as time so it just feels appropriate for him to kind of be a forgetful silly old man that really doesn't know what to do with himself but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's not it wasn't extremely annoying and as you have pointed out quite well this episode (laughs) not exactly well handled I personally enjoyed the Trixie storyline because as I mentioned during the episode as much as we like to say all the time that she is so mature she is so smart it's nice to see that she's still a kid and can be treated as such for example with Linda that was a beautiful example of how young Trixie still is an inexperience in a human communication even though the way she is normally presented would put her age much higher and I loved that Chloe saw all of that and she has grown with the case and as I repeatedly said again she uh, managed to address what was going on with Trixie and with herself and she managed to have a conversation but at the very end we get a double bomb drop One with the maze's soul and the second with the dad's retirement, which only leaves me needing to see more of this storyline. So please, give me more. And with this, we say thank you for listening. Please find us on our various social media. We love interacting with you either over there or when you send us emails to lucifer at taot-podcast.com. If you want to get even more personal and have secret chats with us on our exclusive Discord server, you can join our Patreon over at patreon.com slash taotpodcast. We have a whole bunch of different rewards, such as early release, merch, and hours of bonus content. Yes, Hours. If that sounds like too much pressure, you can help the show by leaving positive iTunes reviews. They really help. Or telling all your friends about us, because nothing beats a personal recommendation. Thank, Thank you. you! Bye! Bye.